There is this classic clip from 2005. Comedian, political commentator Stephen Colbert. Any fans? Um, he claims to have coined the term truthiness. Uh, truthiness is the belief in what you feel to be true rather than what the facts will support Stephen Colbert. So I'm thinking like Leafs fans, right? Surely this is our year. That's like, that's truthiness. Uh, in 2013, Pulitzer Prize winning author Harry Allen wrote the Wall Street Journal. Uh, For the first time in my 72 years, I have no idea what's going on. I used to be Ziggy Zeitgeist, hairy hip. I like to think I was especially good on the feeling tone of the world around me, but now I've got no idea what's going on. It's not that I see things changing for better or worse, or even not changing at all. It's something else. The most important thing in our culture sphere isn't change, but the fact that reality itself is dwindling, fading like sunstruck wallpaper, turning into a silence of the dinner party sort that leads to a default discussion of movies. I don't know what's going on. I doubt that anyone does. So that's Harry Allen in 2013. So in 2016, the Oxford Dictionary announces, after much discussion, debate, and research, the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year in 2016, don't any of you guys know it? Post-truth. Yeah, post-truth. An adjective defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. I think that's the cue where Henry Allen would say, what is going on? Right? He's obviously not the first to ask questions like that. Uh, what's going on? What am I supposed to do? Where do I go from here? Tolstoy actually asked it. A question without an answer to which one cannot live, he said. And this was it. It was what will come of what I am doing today or, or shall do tomorrow. What will come of my whole life differently expressed? Still Tolstoy. The question is, why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Tolstoy trying to make sense of whatever in his era, of course, even Einstein asked in a series of questions, what is the meaning of human life? Or for that matter, of the life of any creature? To know an answer to this question means to be religious. The man who regards his own life and that of his fellow creatures as meaningless is not merely unhappy, but hardly fit for life. That was Einstein, like the math guy, Einstein, or, or I know, physics guy, but wrestling with meaning. And of course, my favorite is why are we here? What's life all about? Is God really real or is there some doubt? Well, tonight, do you guys know this? We're going to sort it all out because tonight's the meaning of life. Uh, if you haven't met me, my name is Daryl and I get the privilege of serving in the Waterloo uh, site, uh, region of the Meeting House, and we are continuing our series today on the so-called wisdom literature of the Bible, which is fine, as long as you guys are okay with the fact that most days I profoundly do not feel qualified. Like, honestly, what am I going to add to the wrestling of Tolstoy or Einstein or even Monty Python? But I am like the rest of you. Uh, I do know what it's like to feel frustrated 
disoriented, uh, occasionally disillusioned, sometimes utterly lost and to search for wisdom, right? Um, in uh, the academy, uh, PubMed, uh, I talk to our elders from the scriptures trying to avoid TikTok. Uh, but some days I think I know the way. And then of course I discover I, I really don't. Um, some days you think you know what to expect from someone, right? And then they um, disappoint. Things don't turn out at all like you expect. I thought I knew where I was going looking for this room the first time. And then I got turned around. So uh, this evening, uh, or if you're watching this online later, uh, morning where you are, we are introducing the book of Ecclesiastes. It's part of the wisdom literature in the Bible. If you've never read it, uh, Ecclesiastes have a different tone than the book of Proverbs also in the scriptures. And I love the Proverbs. Uh, fortune cookie size statements to give answers to questions that you're probably going to ask at one time or another in your life. And if any of you here are watching this online, maybe uh, if you have a situation that's vexing you, like so much that it, you would call it vexing, uh, then the Proverbs is a fantastic place to go. Um, it might even provide the kind of wisdom that you're, you're looking for to actually apply to the situation you're in. The Proverbs is good for that. And Ecclesiastes feels different. Um, Ecclesiastes uh, suggests that sometimes it's okay to sit with your questions, right? Uh, to make friends with what vexes you. And I think that's why uh, Ecclesiastes really is a book of wisdom for real life. I, I, honestly, I think that's its, its full uh, kind of litmus, its uh, best resume item, Ecclesiastes. Let me give you some context. Uh, Ecclesiastes, the word means teacher or preacher, which is why some of you feel super tired and maybe even drift off when you try and read it. Uh, Ecclesiastes is part of the wisdom literature in the Bible, uh, which is a kind of literature common in the ancient Near East containing statements um, from sages or wise men to offer you know, teachings about almost anything, but particular God and virtue and other things deemed important. That's what wisdom literature is for. Great example of wisdom literature, Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline and at the end you will be counted among the wise. That's a classic. Like that's, that's just, that's good stuff. That's what wisdom literature is. Wise sayings, commentary from the, the perspective of wise uh, people, learned people. Uh, at its more basic, wisdom, of course, is where you go when you're looking for help. When you're looking for help, you're like, I need wisdom. Wisdom is ultimately judged by how helpful it is, or you wouldn't call it uh, wisdom. And if Ecclesiastes then is to be counted as wisdom and not just wisdom literature, well, you'd expect it's probably going to have some good advice. That's fair, right? Uh, maybe offer some helpful insights. It's probably going to be a perspective that you can trust, right? Right. I have to tell you that Ecclesiastes can be complicated. Um, it can. Sometimes what you read might seem to you less like truth and a little bit more like truthiness, um, less objective and more raw, less trustworthy even, just because it's not what you expect all the time. Um, so uh, Ecclesiastes 1.1 identifies the author as the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Of course, many credit the book to Solomon the Wise, 
who, if you don't know, is the son and successor of the kingdom of David, but he never actually names himself in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes regularly switches between third person quotations from the teacher, which in Hebrew is the word Koheleth, uh, and first person reflections on Koheleth's words, which might suggest that the book was written less as a personal memoir, like we're looking at somebody's diary, and more like a commentary on this Koheleth search to discover wisdom and to discover meaning. But you gotta know if it was Solomon right? Like we can probably expect Ecclesiastes to be a pretty incredible book. Um, Solomon's greatest and most well-known trait was wisdom. And I'm not trying to hype this up. I'm just saying like buckle up because this is going to be awesome. Um, All right. If you have a, uh, an app or a Bible with you, you can follow on chapter one, verse 12 of Ecclesiastes. Uh, If you don't have that in front of you immediately, I'll read it. It says, I, the teacher was king, over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. It's like we're sitting at lunch with an old and wise mentor who's like paying for the meal, but also he's pouring his life into you. He is, he's like a wise guru looking back on all that they've learned and just sharing freely. It's awesome. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. The author Uh, uses something like a voice in character device, if you know what that is. He frames the wisdom he wants to share with us. So I want you to imagine your best James Earl Jones voice. He says, I am your teacher. That that really was my best James Earl (laughs) Jones. Come, my little lambs, let me save you some heartache, right? Like, I can save you time. I can save you money. Listen to what I say. I, the teacher, applied my mind to study, to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And you're like, wait, what? Like, like meaningless doesn't sound good. Koalith says, I studied everything I could get my hands on and this made me more wise than anyone who has ever lived before me. Uh, When I was done getting wise, I studied wisdom itself. When I was done studying wisdom, I studied madness. Then I studied folly, but I learned that this too, all of it, is a chasing after the wind. So if if you're getting this now, Solomon, the wisest man who has ever lived, has got no idea what's going on right? I said it before, Ecclesiastes really is a book about real life. Like he's not wrong. Life is filled with all sorts of meaningless, right? Meaningless meetings, anyone? Meaningless sex, menial labor done by people living beyond their means. George Orwell actually described meaningless words that have been abused for so long, their meaning has been eviscerated. Words like freedom and democracy and justice. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, Koleth says. This is life under the sun. That's wild, right? Is that true? I'm told that the phrase is used 27 times in Ecclesiastes. This is life under under the sun. Ecclesiastes claims to be about real life and the truth about real life. Some of you know this. Um, The truth about real life is that the answers to the questions you're asking 
Like honestly, the situations that are driving you to search for wisdom are rarely resolved in a simple saying pulled from a delightful cookie, right? Um, in real life, the truth is rarely black and white. Uh, your path forward is rarely uh, well lit. Uh, in real life, just like Al Pacino said, the inches you need around, I don't do, I, the inches you need are, are all around you, but that doesn't make those inches any, any easier to find. Uh, the truth about real life is that life is pain, Highness. And anyone who tells you differently is selling. See, I knew it. I knew it. I don't have to tell you this, right? You guys know life, real life is occasionally frustrating, regularly disorienting for all of us. Um, some days the best you can find in this life under the sun is a comforting melancholy I read somewhere because everybody hurts. And that's okay. In fact, I, th I think it's even important that we name stuff like that, that everybody gets lost and disoriented and turned around sometimes. Everybody cries. I thought one of you would burst into song. Sometimes, sometimes. And listen, if that bothers you, that I'm kind of laying it all out there like that, that's good. Like it is human to resist that kind of, uh, what sounds sometimes like jaded cynicism, it's human to resist um, and for many of you, this is the rub with Ecclesiastes, right? This is, this is the part that you struggle most with. Everything in us wants to resist like seasons of suffering. And, and it's perfectly human to wanna, uh, to wanna have the happy, smooth sailing, easy breezy. And on days when you can find it, there's a good news. Ecclesiastes 8 says, enjoy it. Because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, and be glad. All of you online heard it here first. But on hard days, listen, on hard days, uh, when, your life, when your life looks like the kind of stuff that you don't like talking about out loud, um, remember that the teacher also told you that that's just life getting real. It's just life getting real. Um, despite how startling or contrary it might feel when you are reading the book of Ecclesiastes. Actually, that's, that's one of the first insights that I want to pull from Ecclesiastes as a common theme. I really want to suggest to you, I think calling the bull when you see it is wise. Yeah, I, that's a principle that uh, Ecclesiastes gives us. Sometimes we try and sanitize, don't we, um, our stories so that they're less frustrating, so that they're less hurtful. We think if we just talk about it differently, not Koaleth. Koaleth names what's broken, and if you read through the whole book of Ecclesiastes, I, I do encourage you to do it. He names things like frustration, uh, feelings of futility. He names weariness and discouragement and ambition and burnout, insecurity comes up from Koaleth's own mouth. Uh, comparison. Disappointment, disillusionment, depression, anger, rage, resentment. Some of you know those. Existential dread. He even stumbles on moments of what look like deep empathy and compassion, which is like a breath of fresh air when you finally see it. And I, of course, could keep going because Koleth admits to wrestling in his life with all sorts of hardship and heartbreak. Uh, so much so... Maybe you thought this as you read it. He actually comes across like a bit of a Debbie Downer. Like, honestly, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Why is that? 
Because I don't think it's actually helpful or wise to slip into cynicism. And we all know someone like that. That's why some of you may not like Ecclesiastes. There's too much dissonance for your, uh, I don't know, for your sense of well-being. It can't possibly be helpful. can't possibly be wise to always be dwelling on what's broken. And it feels like that sometimes when you read Ecclesiastes. Like, obviously, it's obviously not wise, despite what I said. Naming can lead to rehearsing. Of course, rehearsing leads to ruminating. Ruminating is reliving, actually, all of the pain and the disappointment that's ever happened to you. That, that is all possible if you slip into that pattern. But listen, being real and raw about what's broken is absolutely cathartic. Some of you may have experienced that feels so good when you can sit down and talk to that friend, that person who you trust, and just vent unadulterated, un, unfiltered. But of course, ruminating can actually resurrect long dead stuff, can it? Right? And, and the hurts and the offense. So what's the difference, Daryl? Apparently, I'm told, the difference is how you name what's broken and it can actually help or hinder your healing. So there's a, a study from Ethan Cross, University of Michigan, who found that when people used what he called distanced self-talk to address themselves, their emotional turmoil decreased. This is a scientific study, past my pay grade. I'm, I'm not a scientist, nor am I a therapist. I'm just a schmuck. Um, when people use distant self-talk to address themselves, their emotional turmoil decreased. Koaleth narrates this actually for us in chapter one. I said to myself, look, he says, ah, five times actually in Ecclesiastes, the teacher uses that phrase. He practices distanced self-talk as a way to process wisdom, uh, growth in the complexity of his life. Uh, this surprising pearl, I, I think it is. I think it's a pearl of wisdom. It's actually modeled for us in Ecclesiastes. Uh, not just, of course, like Ecclesiastes. Maybe some of you are thinking about that verse. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your faith, your trust, and your hope in God. For yet will I praise him, my Savior and my God. That's distanced Self-talk. Apparently, talking to yourself using second or third person pronouns creates distance, uh, can, can cause emotional turmoil to decrease measurably in your brain. And if brain studies aren't as exciting to you as they are to me, I admit, um, let me just ask this. Are you just tired of carrying that thing, that weight of that thing that happened to you years ago? If you are looking for wisdom, that maybe can help you find the peace that has yet eluded you. Maybe surprisingly, if you're willing to look for it, there really is ancient wisdom in Ecclesiastes. Um, it can teach you how to truth tell, how to name injustice in a way that can be cathartic or healing. Learning some tools for how you can talk about and tell your story can help create some distance from the herd. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. Of course, it's not just the practice of calling the bull when you see it that's helpful. Some of you will get way too good at that. Um, I actually find it really comforting that Solomon struggled. <laughs> like, this is Solomon, Solomon the wise. I find that so comforting. Some days he was downright cynical. Other days he had to cling just to, just to keep hold of hope. 
Um, all right, when I say that, I don't want you to get the wrong idea because I've actually ha- ha- lived a pretty good life. Um, I am happily married, if you don't know. I have three great kids who on most days appear human. Um, but I have also been through some stuff. Um, and I admit that there's been times when I'm like, you know, am I doing this wrong? <laughs> right? It, it, some of you are really nodding. You can relate to this. Like, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Friends are posting vacation pictures, and I've been at funerals trying to say something that sounds honest. It's not too honest. Listen to me. When I, when I read Ecclesiastes, I find that there is a fraternity, or better said, maybe a family for those who struggle. Like, it's a club, and if you know, you know. That's in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is raw. Um, In some of the memoir moments, Koleth says, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. What what has been will be again. Like nothing ever changes. Like every kid who graduates and then they get the letter talking about their first student loan payment that's due uh, next week. It even says, for which much, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. It doesn't actually say debt, but maybe that's true too. He says, my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. Then he even says, I got to the place where I hated my life. Like I said, Ecclesiastes is raw. I also said Ecclesiastes is like real life. And, and maybe that's some of your story. Maybe some of that is your story watching online. Not everything said by the teacher is right, but it's raw. And if St. Brene Brown is right, of course she's right. If we want to find clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, she says vulnerability is the path. I think, I think people who love Ecclesiastes love Ecclesiastes because Koleth is honest. Sometimes he is who we want to be. Other times he's who we're afraid we're becoming. But Koleth is our people right? We read that and you're like, I get it. That resonates with us. He's our people. And it's comforting like to know that there's a family of those who struggle, who those who are carrying maybe hidden hurts, um, those who, who will never admit it or rarely admit that sometimes they feel empty inside. I've actually had way too many people tell me that, that they think that maybe the church wasn't a place for people with stories like theirs. It's sad. That's sad. Some have even said they think following Jesus maybe only works for people whose problems, you know, have been more PG rated. Yeah, folks, I hope when you read Ecclesiastes, it's like you discover there have always been people like you since the start of this ancient faith. And and honestly, when you come to the meeting house, I hope you'll find others like us because we are here. And if Ecclesiastes is, is helpful or wise for anything, I, I hope that you find uh, that it is all that helpful and wise for people like you, whatever your story is. Um, and not just for people like you, of course, but for days like these. Daryl, what do you mean when you say that? Like I said, 27 times. In Ecclesiastes, the teacher describes times or seasons of frustration and hurt and disappointment. And then he says, that's just life under the sun. 
And that's true, at least on some days, right? On some days, that's it. Just when you think you know exactly what you want to do with your life, you get the rejection letter from that, that job that you applied for, the school or the program that you applied for. Uh, you're going to meet the guy of your dreams, right? And then you're going to find out he's a con artist and a schmuck. Um, moms, if you're watching, I'm sorry. You thought having kids was going to be the most heartwarming and rewarding uh, experience of your life, but nobody told you about projectile vomit or temper tantrums in the produce aisle, um, feeling like the whole world has gone on without you while you're stuck at home with yo gabba gabba haunting your nightmares. Kolef and your mama said there'd be days like this. <laughs> there'd be days like this. Just days though, right? Mama said. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It is, it is inevitable. And it's terrible, right? We don't have to candy coat. Um, some of you are thinking, man, I like the new guy, but he's a little dark. You don't have to sanitize the hard stuff to make it more palatable. I really want you to get that. Days like these are no days for disingenuous, uh, toxic positivity. In one of the most famous and familiar texts from Ecclesiastes, wisdom almost sings to us that there are seasons to weep, times to laugh, times to mourn, times to dance. That's just life under the sun. Like I said, inevitable and sometimes terrible, but that's not all. Um, so, so this is when we get to where in Ecclesiastes over and over again, Koleth, as he is truth telling, all of these moments of frustration, all of these um, experiences from his own life or from, from the people's lives who he, he maybe cares about and he's watching in moments of frustration, he keeps using this word, remember, meaningless, meaningless. That word actually is translated um, as that or vanity sometimes, depending on your translation, uh, it occurs repeatedly, like over and over. it's hard to miss in Ecclesiastes, perhaps tellingly, it's actually the word for vapor, like smoke or mist. Why did I miscarry? Why aren't my kids sitting with me? Or why don't my kids call me or come by to visit anymore? What do I do next? All of these questions, like a million more that you ask on days like these when answers seem clouded or answers seem elusive, like vapor, I just want you to know that days like these are temporary. Like, I don't know if I'm looking at someone here if I need to look up there. Days like these are temporary. The successes and the failures, the hurt and the hard stuff, uh, even the moments of like, I don't know, existential elevation, utter happiness, joy, even the great days, they are vapor. They're vapor. You guys know this. That's why meaning can't be found in pleasure. That's because pleasure is temporary. It's actually diminishing too, like vapor. Success, vapor. Clarity, same. Confidence, same. Vapor. Lawn maintenance. Am I right? totally right. You cut the lawn, it grows back. You do the dishes and your kids come home. Isaiah 55 says, we spend our money on that which is not bread, our labor on that which does not satisfy. Psalm 119 even has a prayer for this. Incline my heart, O God, to your ways. Turn my eyes from longing after vanities. It's pretty good. It's like the companion prayer for the book of Ecclesiastes. Not a bad prayer, 
for life under the sun. Turn my eyes from longing after vanities. Well, to what then? Like to what do we turn our eyes to? I'd say hope. Honestly, remember hope? Hope is that feeling you have that that feeling you have isn't permanent. That's hope. Yeah, that's hope. I think sometimes the first thing that happens when somebody meets Jesus is God like pours a bag of seed to grow hope in in the harshest conditions inside their lives. If you guys ever seen those videos uh, online where kids get cochlear implants for the first time and they get to hear their mom's voice. Like I cry every time I watch those videos. Augustine famously said, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And I don't know uh, what kind of day you've had today or the kind of seasons or days that you're going through that you've been navigating. I just really wanted uh, this morning's message to not just be hopeful for people like us on days like these. I actually really wanted it to be helpful, somehow to be helpful too. Um, so if, if that's you watching online or here and you find yourself in this space of wayfinding, like Koaleth, um, I wanna leave you with just a couple thoughts from Ecclesiastes, actually chapter three, Koaleth, I can imagine him kind of scratching the gray in his beard. He says, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Remember, you're having lunch with him, sitting across the table. I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. But then he says, but he has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, despite those days when it seems hard to see clearly. And then he says, but I know this, I know this, that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. It says maybe, maybe in the midst of what they're going through, will choose to trust him. Despite the mystery and the elusiveness and the clouds and the like full on storms. I like that. I like that. And of course, at this point, Koleth would probably just tell us to go home and eat, drink, and be merry. Maybe he'd sing us a song. Whenever life gets you down, Mrs. Brown, and things seem hard or tough, and people are stupid, obnoxious, or, t- or daft, and you feel, do you guys know this one? And you feel like you've had I'm old, quite enough. And if you know, uh, you're whistling in your head right now. I just want to leave you with, I just want to encourage you. There is hope for people like you uh, in this season. And you may yet look back on this season. You're sitting across the table from some poor discouraged kid at work. Can you see it? You're sitting there stroking the gray in your beard, gentlemen or ladies. And now you've become the teacher. Coalesce the wise for someone else's journey. If I can give you this encouragement, like just keep going. Keep going for those days. Let's pray. Father, Lady Wisdom whispers, 
And some days she shouts and always God every day ultimately leads us to Jesus, speaks the name of Jesus. For he is the word made flesh, the wisdom made flesh who dwells upon us. Be with us now, Jesus. And we pray in your name. Amen.